This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 10, where we're going to be talking about the crucifixion of the human Jesus. This is the podcast that aims to start conversations with your friends, your family, your co-workers about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Thanks again so much for joining us. My name is Dustin Smith. I am your host. And this past weekend was the celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection. So I felt that it was appropriate to look at Jesus' crucifixion in this week's episode. So happy Resurrection Sunday for you folks. Uh, some people like to say Happy Easter. I prefer Resurrection Sunday. But today we're going to be asking two very important questions. Number one, how does the New Testament describe the death of Jesus? And number two, did God die on the cross? So we're going to look at how does the New Testament describe the death of Jesus? And we're going to be asking the question if it was actually God who himself died on the cross 2,000 years ago. We can start off by looking at a passage in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul talks about what he believed, what he inherited as a teaching, and what he taught. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4. For I delivered to you among things of first importance that I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Paul here is stating that he has inherited this tradition from earlier believers, from earlier Christians, and he states that it was Christ who died for the sins. And then he uses pronouns in reference to Christ in verse 4. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Now, by saying there that he, Christ, was raised, that implies that God is the one who did the raising of Jesus on the third day. So Paul here seems to indicate that it was Christ who was the person who died. He himself was buried, and he himself was raised on the third day. Paul seems to here describe Jesus with, again, a singular pronoun. He was buried, he was raised. Paul doesn't seem to divide Jesus and to suggest that, well, just his body died and maybe his soul didn't die or maybe his humanity died but his supposed divinity didn't die. On the contrary, Paul seems to say Christ wholly died, completely died, entirely died. That's in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4. Now, some have been taught that only Jesus' humanity died but that his divinity didn't die. And this presupposes that Jesus had two natures. There are some Christian theologies that say that Jesus has two natures, a man side and a God side, suggesting that the man side is mortal and that the God side is immortal. Now, the New Testament, uh, actually the entire Bible, has absolutely nothing to say about Jesus possessing two natures. That language is post-biblical. It is not a biblical teaching. But just to squash this teaching out, Let's uh, look at the scriptures and see what they have to say. In Luke chapter 24, verses 6 through 7, after the resurrection, we get this statement from an angel. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, 
and the third day rise again. Here we see the title here in Luke 24, verse 7, that the Son of Man will be delivered over and crucified and on the third day rise again. So we have the title here, the Son of Man, referring to Jesus as the judge, the coming judge. So the Son of Man, according to Scripture, died, clearly, unambiguously. But we also see that the New Testament states that the Son of God died. The Son of God being the title for Jesus as Israel's king, as Israel's Messiah, as the Davidic king. And in Galatians 2.20, Paul teaches that, quote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul here clearly stating that the Son of God gave himself up for Paul, suggesting and indicating that the Son of God died. So the New Testament says that the Son of Man died and the Son of God died. These are not, by the way, two separate indicators of Jesus supposedly possessing two dual natures. No, these are just titles for Jesus. Again, the Son of Man being the title for Jesus as the apocalyptic judge, and the Son of God being the title for Jesus as Israel's messianic king. Now, Jesus himself admitted and openly stated that he died. That's a pretty clear indicator for us. As Christians, I assume that we are believing what Jesus actually said. Look what Jesus said here in Revelation chapter 1, and verse 18. Quote, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I possess the keys of death and of Hades. That's pretty clear. Jesus just admitted he was dead, and now he's alive forevermore. And now he's got the keys to death and Hades. Later in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and verse 8, it says this, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this. Again, there Jesus commissioning John the Revelator to write this letter to the church in Smyrna, admitting that Jesus was dead, and has come back to life. And prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, he himself predicted that he was going to die in Matthew 12 and verse 40, where it says, Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. They're suggesting that the Son of Man will die and actually be in the grave, in the heart of the earth. He'll be buried. So we're seeing there that both before and after the resurrection, we have promises and predictions, both open statements from the mouth of Jesus that he died. Paul goes out of his way and actually going to great lengths to demonstrate that Jesus was the human being who died in obedience to God. He does this in a very lengthy and powerful passage in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And I bring this passage up for a couple of reasons. One being that some feel or actually have been taught that only God can die for our sins. Paul here says nothing of the sort. Look what Paul says here in Romans 5, 12 through 21. I'm just going to pick out some verses through it because it's a long passage. It's complicated. It's got a lot of extensive Pauline uh, theological words and phrases. Let's start here in verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, Sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. 
But until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Notice here, verse 14, Adam was a type of him who was to come. And Adam, in verse 12, was the one man. So Adam, the human being, was a type of the one who is to come, indicating that the one who is to come, Jesus, is also a human being whose act is going to have a representative consequence for all of humanity. Verse 15, But the free gift is not like the transgression. For by the transgression of the one, Adam, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Here notice that Jesus is described clearly as the one man, the human being. Skipping down to verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, death reigned through the one, Adam, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Clearly here we're seeing that Jesus Christ undoes the sin and transgression of Adam. Skipping down to verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, Jesus Christ, the many will be declared righteous. So it's very clear here in this passage, Romans 5, 12 through 21, that Paul believes, taught, and indicates that Jesus had to be a human being in order to deal with the transgression of Adam. He believes that Jesus, as a man, as a human being, who was in the likeness of Adam, who was a type of Adam, a human being, was the one who could undo Adam's sin. There's no indication here that Paul taught that God died for the sins of the world, or that only God could deal with the sins of the world himself. On the contrary, it was Jesus, as the human being, who undid the sin and transgression of Adam. Now we also see in the New Testament, asserted by all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, that Jesus' soul died. His soul, using the Greek noun, siki, where we get for soul. It can be translated as soul, it can be translated as life, and it's basically a word that represents the entire person, the person in their entirety. Look at what the four gospel writers state. Matthew says that just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life, his soul, a ransom for many. That's in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, where Jesus admits that he is going to give his soul, give his life, as it's often translated, as a ransom for many. He's going to give over his entire self, his soul, his life. We see a parallel passage in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 where the same is stated. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, to give his soul, his psyche in Greek, a ransom for many. Skipping over to John's gospel, we see here in John chapter 10, a few verses where Jesus speaks about the death of his own soul, his own life. John 10 and verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his soul for the sheep lays down his life for the sheep. And then later in verse 15, he says, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, 
I lay down my soul. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's John 10, verse 11 and 10, verse 15. Luke's assertion about the death of Jesus' soul appears in the book of Acts. Luke having written both volumes, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 27, he quotes out of Psalm 16 and verse 10, which says, Because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Luke here pulling from Psalm 16 and verse 10 and stating that God will not abandon Jesus, his entire life, his soul, to Hades, Hades being the grave. That means that Jesus' soul died, it went to the grave, it went to Hades, and that soul was dead, and it was in need of resurrection. And God did not allow his Holy One to undergo decay. So there we have the assertion from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus' soul died, meaning that Jesus in his entirety died. And now we get to the question that we asked at the beginning of the episode, Namely, did God die on the cross? What does the New Testament say about God? Does the New Testament ever say that God was the person who died on the cross? What does the New Testament say about God and his immortality? 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here, stating that God is immortal, using a word for immortal that is never used for Jesus anywhere in the Bible. Elsewhere in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.16, talks about God who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. God here is immortal. To be immortal means you are someone who cannot die. You are unable to die. You physically cannot cease living. Romans 1.23 has Paul saying that humanity exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God, the incorruptible God, for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. The contrast here is God, who is incorruptible, he's immortal, he cannot die, with corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. God is the one, again, who is incorruptible, he is immortal, he is unable to die. And we have three references to the immortality of God in the book of Revelation. First in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 9, which says that when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. God, the one who sits here on the throne, is the one who lives forever and ever. Meaning, he lives forever. He doesn't die. He's unable to die. And we see another reference to God living forever and ever in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 6, where it says that they swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it. God here again is the one who lives forever and ever. And lastly, in Revelation 15 and verse 7 says that one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now remember back, we saw that Jesus, both in Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 2, openly admitted that he died and that he came back to life. 
God here in Revelation is the one who lives forever and ever, multiple times. That's very clear. So according to the New Testament, did God die for the sins of the world? Absolutely not. Why not? Because God can't die. God is immortal. God is physically unable to die. That's what immortal means. God can't die. Jesus had to die because Jesus, as a human being, was mortal, was susceptible to death. He died. His soul died. All of him completely, wholly, and entirely died. And the truth claim of Christianity is that God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. So in conclusion, we have observed that the New Testament never states, suggests, or even hints at Jesus only partially dying. It never says that only his humanity died while his supposed divinity survived. Rather, Christ died and he was buried, and this was a tradition that Paul inherited from the earliest believers. Number two, the New Testament states that the Son of Man died and that the Son of God died. Since these are titles for Jesus, referring to his role as the apocalyptic judge on one hand and the Davidic king on the other, they should not be thought of as indicators of Jesus supposedly possessing two natures. Number three, Jesus himself stated and admitted that he died, saying that he was dead. This confession is found on Jesus' lips, both after the resurrection and as a prediction spoken by Jesus prior to the resurrection. Number four, while some feel that only God can die for the sins of the world, Paul argues extensively that Jesus, as an obedient human being, was the only one who could undo the transgression of the human being Adam. Number five, all four gospel writers taught that Jesus' soul died, which is really another way of saying that Jesus died completely and entirely. There is no suggestion in the New Testament that only Jesus' body died while his immortal soul lived on somewhere else. On the contrary, Jesus' soul died. And on that matter, the doctrine of the immortality of the soul is a post-biblical doctrine. It's not a doctrine taught in the Bible. Souls die in the Bible all the time. And lastly, number six, the New Testament, without any hesitation, asserts that God cannot die because he is immortal, incorruptible, and is the one who lives forever and ever. If you'd like to learn more about biblical Unitarian theology, please check us out online at biblicalunitarian.com and at youtube.com slash biblicalunitarian. Thank you again so much for listening to our podcast. Again, my name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, take care.